welcome to the Voice of Family Business on Capitol Hill. It's great to have you with us. With each podcast from Family Enterprise USA, we bring you the latest news, expert opinions, and insights affecting the country's largest employer, the American family business. If you like this series, please remember to subscribe and sign up for the alerts as future shows are posted wherever you download your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Preston Root, a Family Enterprise USA member, board member, and longtime supporter. In this episode, we bring you a lively and in-depth discussion on the good, the bad, and the ugly government policies affecting the many family business trucking companies in the U.S. This episode is hosted by Pat Soldano, President, Family Enterprise USA, and Policy and Taxation Group. And her guests are John Smith, Chairman CRST, the Transportation Solution Incorporated, and David E. Bauer Esquire, Vice President, State and Tax Policy, the American Trucking Associations. Now, let's listen in on what these experts have to say about the critical government policies affecting our country's family-owned transportation companies. So welcome to today's podcast. I'm Pat Soldano, President of Family Enterprise USA. If you don't know who we are, we advocate for multi-generational family businesses and their lifetime of savings and investments in their businesses from around the country, from all industries, both big and small. Today, we're asking the question, how are transportation policies coming out of Washington, D.C. affecting our country's many family-owned transportation companies? And there are many. I'm delighted today to have with me two people who know a thing or two about transportation. They are John Smith, Chairman of CRST, the Transportation Solution, Inc., and David Bauer, Vice President, State and Tax Policy for the American Trucking Associations. It's great having you both here. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedules to be with me. So John, I'm gonna start with you. I think it's good to start with you since CRST is a major player in the transportation industry in our country. So if you could tell us a little bit about the company and maybe some of the challenges that you face in today's world. I would be happy to. One of the things uh, about us is we have a family business, we call it. That's that's the trucking side. Uh, my dad started that in 1955. Uh, he got fired from his uh, previous job. It's amazing how the tragedy and, and opportunities work at the same time because he's been thinking about starting his own company and literally had no money and no assets and asked my mother to back up the bills and uh, started growing very slowly. And he said that first million dollars of revenue was really, took him a long time and it was really hard. And uh, we're now uh, over $2 billion of revenue. And we operate primarily through the um, 48 states and we're in all sorts of different markets, but but primarily in what we call the truckload market. So we're and by the way, we never do 100% of anything. That's just kind of what we are. We're in a lot of different things, but we're primarily in the truckload market. So uh, when a customer calls us, he's filling up our truck and away we go. But further down in our in my generation now and the next generation, we, we've really got what we call an enterprise going now. Um, the trucking industry is by far the large, largest contributor, but we now have a property development company. We have a family office. And we have a cybersecurity firm near Washington, D.C., and a small boutique insurance company that's just getting started by my son-in-law. So we've got a wide variety of what's going on. It was interesting. It was a great question to ask what the challenges are. And 
I was thinking trucking, you know, right away, it was pure trucking. But when I really started thinking about when I first started in the business, and still I'm thinking about it, and that is, is that we want to be and are a multi-generational entity. And because of tax laws, we have to be thinking of this all the time, particularly with the estate tax. And I started at a pretty young age doing that. And um, I, I actually did the estate planning for my parents. And that was all the expertise we could afford <laughs> was me. And I didn't charge a lot. And um, so I did that. And now that we're in the second and going into the third and some respects the fourth, we have expert planners now. And they're much better than, than I was. And they're, they're getting the job done. And fact is, we're primarily done. As an example of how important this is, when the Trump tax cuts came into effect, which was a very important uh, bill that, that got passed by that administration, um, my goal was to get the, the pass-throughs, in our case, a sub-S corporation, equal tax treatment with the Cs because they proposed uh, big cuts in the C corporations. And that didn't happen. And I feel sorry now for the people who haven't done all their estate planning because they're going to have to stay on that flow through, which still helps them a lot when you do estate planning. But you're paying out a lot more in, in yearly income taxes than you would if you go to a C. And we went to a C since we're, we're, we're done in my generation going down. But eventually it's going to catch us again. So every generation has got to go through this. You know, Congress says they support family businesses. And if they really do, we got to do something about those estate taxes that either need to be eliminated or bring the rates down because that's how you perpetuate, you know, family-owned businesses from from generation to generation. In the trucking industry itself, this uh, one of our new big issues, and I hope David agrees, is this uh, zero carbon approach that. Um, well, in this case, the state of California is doing, where they say they don't want any trucks in California that uh, are using fossil fuel, which is gonna be an interstate commerce issue. But if you're in California, we have a big, and when I say in California, if you have somebody based in California and buys their fuel there and has customers there, it's gonna be a big issue. And, and from our point of view, we want zero carbon, but we wanna do it when the timing's right, and as an example, if we, if we went to electrical trucks, and I don't think we will, but that's a different issue, um, we would add 20% of the demand to the electricity. And look at California, they're having blackouts now. Can you imagine what they do when that goes into effect and all trucks have to be primarily electric? And um, it's going to be a problem. So that's a big issue for us. I will say also, I really think a long-term solution for truckers is probably this hydrogen-based fuel electric trucks, where um, you, you have you have hydrogen in your tank, so to speak, and that's producing um, electricity for a battery, and it keeps recharging it. So anyway, uh, that's probably what will happen. So that's a big issue. And um, I'd say the third big issue is, is always infrastructure. And I can still, I'm old enough to remember the last infrastructure bill before this last one. It was in the early 80s, so like 82, 83. That's too long. Um, our, in 1982, our infrastructure was the best in the world. You can't say that anymore. You go to Europe, you see a lot better infrastructure, uh, both highway and, and uh, rail. And 
to some extent, airports. So we've got to remember that this is always a big issue and um, and it'll always continue to be a big issue. So those, those are probably the ones that I'm most concerned about. Well, so I'm going to take off of what you just commented about in terms of the transportation industry. You've been in the industry for many decades. And um, how have you seen it change uh, in terms of, you know, not only the policies, uh, legislation, but generally how has the industry itself changed in these last few decades? Well, the uh, the biggest change that came since I started uh, was deregulation in 1980, which is quite a long time ago, but it changed everything. And that was a legislative decision which I supported, uh, not everybody in the industry did, but it changed everything for us. And it allowed us, from my perspective, that the trucking industry grew its market share over both rail and air, and uh, because it allowed us to be competitive. And that, so that was the largest change that, that I've seen. And then every decade, something else comes. And technology is probably the biggest now, uh, or one of the biggest. So uh, everybody faces that and we're facing it. So I don't consider us unique there. Yeah, that's a good point. Deregulation was a huge change. Well, so again, you've talked about um, some of this already, but I'd like you to expand a little bit more. So maybe you can talk about how Congress has helped you or hindered you to grow your business, uh, help your family, hurt the generationally owned passing of the businesses, as you've talked about, uh, what has been some of the legislation, both positive and negative, that you can talk about um, in these last couple decades or even just this last decade? Well, as I talk about deregulation, that is both. It's kind of like when my dad started, he had the crisis and he turned it into an opportunity. And that's what deregulation was. It really was that type of thing. So it became an opportunity for us, uh, for others that have been in the industry a long time and had a hard time changing it was terrible for them. So uh, legislation truly is very important. And I always consider because we want to be part of the discussion. And if you're not, you're going to get eaten and they, you could be put out of business. So that's the biggest one still. And, and you know, they could change that regulation on us tomorrow and um, say that I, any load over 500 miles has to go by rail. And that would just be really devastating to us as, as an industry. So we have to be careful of regulations. And so we watch them a lot. But I'd say that, you know, the changes have been like any other business. And that is, is there's opportunities and there's threats. And you've got you to watch them. And um, that's the key to being successful is understanding what they are and then making the adjustments and and beating your competition by a couple steps. What do they say that the bears chasing? You just want to be the. You just don't want to be the slowest guy. You want to be a little quicker than the last. Right. So you're also on in addition to running a multi-billion-dollar business. You are also on the board of the American Trucking Associations and and the secretary, I believe. Um, so you obviously understand leadership. You know how important leadership is to an organization. Um, so maybe you can address that as it relates to our Congress. How can our Congress leaders today help the industry, help your family business? Well, I think you've taken a great step in forming, um, you know, family business caucus. And uh, a, I can't think of a better way to help each individual Congress person understand what the problems are and opportunities are for family businesses. There are a lot of us out there. We're all in different businesses. But at the same time, there's there's 
uh, uniqueness about us versus say a public corporation. And so uh, I, I, I'm really glad you did this and I'm feeling that this will help um, advocate for us on an ongoing basis as time goes by. Excellent. So David, let's let's switch to you. Um, let's start by asking you to please explain your role with American Trucking Association so everybody understands who you are and what you do. Yeah, Pat, thank you. And thank you for having us on to, to Family Enterprise um, as well for, for putting this together. Um, so uh, the American Trucking Association is a one-stop shop. Um, we have folks that do yeah, environmental uh, law, environmental regulation, safety is, is a huge uh, component of, of what we do, obviously, with a with a uh, FMCSA, um, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, oversight over us and and keeping a relationship there. And then for my role uh, specifically, I handle uh, tax policy. So the three um, you know principal tax regimes that uh, our members pay into um, to uh, fund registration, to uh, fuel uh, tax receipts. And then uh, various uh, other uh, tax regimes that uh, seem to, to be sniping at us quite often. Um, I handle those on the state and federal levels, along with our uh, federations. So ATA is a federation, I should say, that has um, all 50 states um, have a state trucking association component. Those are our colleagues. Um, there are eyes and ears in state houses, um, particularly these days where a lot of policies actually moving on the state level in a way that's quicker and, and maybe in, in directions, as, as uh, John noted, that, that we don't like. Um, uh, a lot of bad policy emits from the West Coast um, without shaming one state in particular. So uh, those tax policy matters I handle. And then a kind of uh, um, another portfolio item that I handle is tort reform that has increasingly uh, been keeping me busy um, with just the difficult uh, judicial environment that our members um, face ourselves in. We're, all, we're, we're a very uh, obvious and, and easy, juicy target for the trial bar, um, which uh, a lot of our a lot of our family-owned businesses, you know, we do have folks like um, John's firm, but, but the average size member of ATA actually is about, give or take, about 10 trucks. And more often than not, those are all family, you know, passed down through generations, um, businesses, they could be reefer trucks, window trucks, um, just just ordinary freight um, moving along. So I handle those issues um, on behalf of the members and then uh, anything else. I, I, I used to work for a governor, worked in a state house, worked in a Congress. So I kind of am a Swiss army knife when it comes to policy sometimes. But uh, hopefully that answers um, a little bit about what we do here at ATA. So let's follow up on that and, and be more specific in terms of how do you address the concerns of ATA? Do you personally do the Hill meetings? Uh, do you have a team in DC of consultants you use? You know, if there are, if you talked about the tort issues being a, a tort reform being an important issue for you. How do you address that? Because I mean, you know, there's many, many, many members of Congress, and it takes a lot of time. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm one of the subject matter experts that we have. Like I said, we have a a team of policy experts. So I do participate in the Hill meetings um, that, that we hold. So a little bit, I think one of the, the, the overarching goal that we have is uh, consistent engagement. Um, so we have a, we actually have a, a Hill office um, just down the street from the house side. If you picture the Capitol, we're, our Hill office is on the, on the house side of the Capitol. And um, through that, we have a team of about seven lobbyists, Democrats and Republicans. We work both sides of the aisle. Every day the Congress is in session, 
Um, we're holding meetings. We're getting our uh, our issues in front of them. Sometimes uh, to folks we agree with. Sometimes not. Um, we we don't really shy away from folks that you generally wouldn't expect to agree with us. Um, sometimes those are the surprises that you find when you actually um, you do darken some doorsteps that that you don't expect to. Um, we have a, a program as well called Calls on Washington. So as I said, we have a federation that's involved all 50 states. So throughout the course of the year, you know, once, twice, three times a month, we'll have uh, state fly-ins um, from our state federation colleagues, and they will bring motor carriers uh, with them to Washington. And we will, from our uh, Hill office, we'll set up meetings for them for a whole day, maybe even two days, where we'll just pound marble over the course of a couple of days, we'll have a reception. And I guess that goes back to what I was saying. The theme is consistent engagement. That's every year, all 50 states come through. And it's really, um, in my time in Washington, I've been here now for 15 years, I've not seen an industry be that concentrated and that focused. Um, you know, I work for a member of Congress. Sometimes you get a lot of lobbyists coming through. It's not often that an industry brings folks from your state from your district, and we're in every district, all 435, all 50 states. So it really is a powerful program uh, that along with our truck pack, um, with our political action committee that we um, help our friends, we have a saying, um, we help those who help us. Um, but more importantly, if you're willing to give us a chance to be heard, we'll generally keep coming back to you. Well, good for you. I think those heel visits are the most important thing, as we've learned with Family Enterprise USA. While we're a smaller organization, we do something similar in bringing our family businesses uh, to the Hill to do those meetings and are very bipartisan, which we think is critically important. Um, what we've learned with members of Congress is they really don't know what a family business is. They have no idea that family businesses generate 59% of the jobs in this country and 54% of the GDP. So our challenge has been to educate members of Congress around what a family business is and what it isn't. And as John mentioned, we helped Congress form a Congressional Family Business Caucus. We're very excited about that. We think it is really educating members of Congress more about what family businesses are all about and the economic footprint they have in this country. So my question to you is, how have you seen what, what methods, what information have you seen has been most effective maybe in meeting with members of Congress? And what are some of the kind of issues that you face in their lack of understanding of the transportation industry? That's a great question. So every member of Congress has a staff. There's a lot of incoming every day. Everybody's coming through. Uh, some issues really pertinent. Others are not. I think what we've, we've made a conscious decision at ATA, and it's not maybe in stone, but it's certainly in sand that we're going to focus on the folks that impact our industry specifically. And we're gonna educate the heck out of them over the course of a year, um, maybe more with our uh, professional uh, folks that do this for a living in getting facts. Facts do matter still. Um, getting facts to the staff, working the staff level is really key. And particularly on the committees, um, the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, for example, in the house has, I think 57 members. It's one of the largest in the House of Representatives where we, we're, we're keying in on getting to know every single one of those offices. Do we care about defense committees? Of course, they're, they're members, they vote, but what we're trying to do is get to the champions that we can make, educate their staffs as well as the members. Um, another thing we've noticed that, that does have efficacy is getting them to 
uh, our freight yards, um, showing them in their districts, in their states, hey, you know, come on out and see this. This is folks that work in your district that live there. They're earning a living because of this family business. It exists. Those jobs exist because the capital, instead of reinvesting it in stocks and all the other, they're reinvesting it back in their business. And those freight yards don't build themselves. Those you know, maintenance yards don't build themselves. Those folks that um, are drivers um, who, are, who are also really important. I think the key to us is, is you can't take all 535 members and, and kind of just shotgun approach. You really have to be targeted and you really have to pick, in some ways, pick your battles with those folks that are going to understand, need to understand and have um, attachment to their district or to their state. Well, and so this is kind of my final question for both of you, um, but happy to have you make any remarks uh, afterwards that you think, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk about that is important for this podcast. I, I understand there's an informal survey um, that John Smith and I've talked about, about 60, 65% of trucking businesses are family owned businesses. I know you don't know that exact statistic. And as I've just shared with you, you know, 59% of the businesses in America are family-owned businesses. We've learned that. So how can we as Family Enterprise USA, as an organization trying to promote family businesses in this country, including the trucking industry, the transportation industry, how can we as two organizations work together to help not only the transportation industry, but family businesses in this country? And, and um, John, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, one of the things I think is obvious to me after um, you got started and I got to know who you were and how you were concentrating on certain things and and, and my involvement with ATA, um, you know, a couple of the um, management there. And it was like, you know, yeah, we don't spend a lot of time on that tax thing. You know, it's complicated. It's And then, you know, everybody's a little different and, you know, we got the publics, we've got the privates. And, and um, so I, I really do think that each group complements one another. And I think that's what's so fantastic about this because, and why I joined, because uh, the tax thing is, is important. And as I tried to, as we tried to get the Trump administration to, to bring the pass-throughs or the sub-S's in my cases, get the same, um, deal with us the same way, and they didn't. Um, you know, it bothered me. And um, and I know ATA supported it, but at the same time, we were working on the infrastructure bill, which is today. <laughs> and it makes a big difference to all of our companies today, where the you know tax thing is still two-thirds or three-quarters of our members, but it's long-term. It's so hard to think long-term. And so I think the two organizations complement each other well. So I think getting to know each other and working together on things is probably the, is going to be a good thing to do. And I want to mention one thing on ATA too. One of the things they do help with is we got, if you'd asked me what my top issue was about three months ago, I said tort reform. And the reason, I mean, it's, it's just really a problem, but we got tort reform done in Iowa. We have caps on non-economic um, accidents for truckers. And that took five years to get that done. And ATA has made that one of their top priorities. So the, the goal is not just to get Iowa. We got to get the, you know, for my case, let's just get the other 47. 
and the other two we can worry about later. But that's the way you get it. You, you, you got to work with tort reform. I mean, yes, you might be able to get a national law passed, but probably not. And so, therefore, an ATA worked with us hand in glove. They gave us support. They helped us on some technical things when we started writing bills up or when we started negotiating, because we did negotiate with the plaintiff's bar. We'd have them look it over and say, hey, what are we missing here? Where, where's the loophole? And they were very helpful in, in all that kind of thing. And we're willing to um, have people come out to explain things if we needed them. So that's another nice thing about this federation that I wanted to point out. Excellent. So, David, I'm going to let you answer the question. How do you see us working together as organizations and, you know, how can we help each other? Well, you know, I, I think that's a great question. It's It really goes down to me to what I, I was saying before is that consistent engagement. And you guys have shown, um, I'll tell you something, there's a lot of caucuses on Capitol Hill. There's the uh, the seersucker caucus. I'm not joking. Um, there's a, a red shoe. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of little groups that uh, they may get together once a year. They may get together, you know, periodically. But um, small business and family-owned businesses in particular are something that stitches together our industry. As I said, uh, you know, the average size ATA members about 10 trucks, 11, 10, nine trucks. Um, those are not, you know, billion dollar revenue companies. They're, they're, uh, they're earning uh, good money, but it's a very tight margin business as all small, small family businesses generally are. Um, and that's where taxes do matter. And passing along through your estate, something you've built, whether it's a trucking company, a bakery, a restaurant, whatever that may be, um, in some ways it doesn't matter, right? It's a small business. It's a small family business in particular. And so we look forward to working with you. Um, I think the expiration of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, um, several provisions of it, including keeping the ones we like um, that aren't set to expire, uh, depending on who wins next year and the composition of Congress is something we, I know we'll work together with you guys on. We're certainly um, preparing for what we think will be a either really difficult discussion or, or maybe one that, that won't be as difficult as we think. Um, it's kind of tough to tell right now. We're a little bit into the fog, but we look forward to working together. Um, any any friend of, of family-owned businesses is a friend of ATAs. Well, we appreciate that, and we really look forward to working with you as well. Uh, we do think the organizations complement each other. Um, and as you mentioned, there are a lot of family-owned businesses in ATA, um, and, and those smaller uh, business owners, you're right. I mean, they, they have that great challenges with all the taxes that you talked about. So um, I really want to thank both of you for being on the call today. It's been fascinating. I know our family business listeners have learned a lot about the challenges facing America's family-owned transportation companies, and they're being treated uh, on Capitol Hill. Thank you both for being on this podcast today. Yep, you're welcome. Thank you, Pat. We hope you liked today's show and hope you subscribe to our podcast, where each episode discusses the critical issues affecting multi-generational family-owned businesses around the country. You can find this podcast wherever you download your podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Enterprise USA podcast. This is the only series devoted exclusively to the critical issues facing America's family businesses, the families that own them, and the clients of family offices. We hope you liked this episode. Please make sure to subscribe and tell others about our podcast. Having your voice heard in Washington, D.C. and throughout the country can make a difference.
This podcast is sponsored by Preston Root, a Family Enterprise USA member, board member, and longtime supporter. We look forward to having you listen in next time.